0: Before I begin today's sermon, I wanted to acknowledge that we are actually not continuing the series that we started last week in terms of um, the five-part process of on repentance and repair. So those of you who are expecting that sermon, please come back in two weeks. You're going to have to live with the cliffhanger for two more weeks, all right? But today, we are going to be talking about this topic of grief. And my first question for you is what causes grief and please resist the temptation to name your partner's name but rather tell me some situations some issues that you may have encountered in your life that has caused you grief and please feel free to participate those of you who are tuning in virtually as well not a rhetorical question so please shout it out loud and I'll repeat it Change. All right. Loss. Yes. Love. And the end of love perhaps as well, right? So divorce could cause grief. We're not going to get political, so I'm not going to repeat that one (laughs) that y'all might have heard of. I'm sorry. Betrayal. Okay. Horrible. Horrible boss. So the end of a job, even though Um, In some ways that's probably liberating and let's see what else people have put in the chat box here. Nothing in the chat box. So nothing causes people grief online. (laughs) Death. I'm surprised no one's mentioned that because that's the first thing that usually comes to my mind whenever I think about grief is the death of a loved one. And nobody mentioned COVID. Did anybody ever go through a grieving process when COVID hit? Yeah, a few. Um, Hate speech, indeed, miscarriage, overly high expectations, and disappointment and separation. So there are many things that cause us to grieve. And the one I wanna focus on today, as someone already mentioned, is the sense of loss because any transition can actually cause grief. Now, it's hard to imagine, but I've actually been your interim senior minister for six months now. Now, some of you may be wondering, how did this whole process even come about? And it was great that we had a startup moment yesterday. How many of you were there for that? All right. Thank you for contributing to a very stimulating conversation around, first of all, your previous settled minister's departure. So Reverend Schuyler made the announcement in early June or at least to the board initially that he got a position at a college where he went to college actually, Carleton College and that this was an unexpected twist right after coming back from his sabbatical. It was the job of his dreams, and it doesn't come around very often, that position, and it was too bad that the timing stopped. Whenever that announcement was made, there of course were so many feelings that bubbled up. And that's what I spent the first two or three months of my time here doing is to listen to have one-on-ones or even one-on-twos with several of you to ask what were your feelings whenever Schuyler departed. Now first of all I must say that I find it hard to tease out feelings from Unitarian Universalists because for the most part we have such high high IQs that we tend to stay in our heads right? Um, I have yet to meet a UU with a high EQ, and I can include myself in this category. I have to force myself to think, there I go again, think about feelings by jotting them down every evening in my journal, right? So that's become my spiritual practice to get out of my head and say, what did I feel today? And so people try to skirt it by talking about Well, Skyler was a good minister, yes he was. And I remember this one time when we did this and that and the other and I was like, that wasn't a question. I was asking you what your feelings were. And so it brought up and stirred up so many feelings and I love what um, the child said for the time for all ages today of, there's multiple feelings whenever we're grieving. It's not just one, right? And again, in this congregation, there were multiple feelings that existed. 35% probably felt a sense of, and these are not solid numbers, by the way, these are more anecdotal, right? So about 35% felt anger and resentment and a sense of betrayal because they felt like, wasn't it clear in his contract that he was supposed to serve us another year before Um, after he comes back from sabbatical before handing in his resignation. And And indeed, this might have triggered past memories as well of previous ministers who have also resigned after coming back from sabbatical. To be honest, I'm kind of worried about your next settled minister. And by the time that they are ready to take their sabbatical, Is the congregation going to chain them and handcuff them to the walls and say, don't go because we know where this is heading, right? I don't know. So 35% of the congregation said that and another 35 or so said, well, we understand he has a family. And that's where you know, his wife was from. And that's where they're used to and have a support system and and it is the job of his dreams, and we understand that. So 35% of people were more accepting, perhaps. And then another 30 were like, meh, Skylar, Schmeiler. You know, <laughs> ministers come and go, right? Um, it's part of the transition process. We're ready to move on. So all kinds of mixed feelings existed. And and not to mention the whole idea that, well, I don't know. I don't know what to think of you. You seem like a nice guy, but we didn't really have a chance to go through a very thorough search process. And, you know, that's the other thing that I'm kind of resentful to Skylar about because by the time June comes around, there were no available interim ministers left. So those of you who have ever participated in a search process know that these announcements needed to be made in March or April at the latest, right? Otherwise, all you end up with, the analogy I use, is whoever is left at three o'clock in the morning at a bar when they're about to turn on the lights. And congratulations, that's what you got. To be honest, I wasn't even at the damn bar. I was actually busy at home, enjoying my job, not even thinking about this position until I talked to Skylar, and he said, oh, I kind of feel bad. I don't wanna leave them in the lurch. And again, not only you, you weren't the only ones going through complicated feelings. I could imagine that he was as well, trying to balance his future with a healthy and good leave-taking, leaving you hopefully in good hands. So those were all the situations that came into play and it could have easily turned into a doo-doo show. Although that doesn't necessarily have the same alliteration that makes it sound good. But I think you know which word I'm talking about, right? It could have turned into a disaster, but were it not for the fact that you had a very competent board who acted immediately and who interviewed me the first night the opening worship of General Assembly in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I had to come back to my room for that one hour interview and was offered a job the next day. And thanks to your competent staff that did all the research into all the contracts and all of that. Kudos to every single one of you for pulling yourselves together and make, and somehow, somewhere, the stars align. If you were to ask me this time last year, if I would be standing in front of you, I would have said, you are delusional. (laughs) That was not part of my plans at all, but rather, here we are, so how do we deal with this change process? And again, yesterday, Reverend Sunshine, went through the roller coaster of change. And the fact that for Schuyler, for example, since he already knew about what was happening, he might have already been going through that grieving process ahead of you. And then the board went through that grieving process next. And then the congregation came along later on, right? And again, my fear is that if we don't talk about our emotions, that it'll just end up festering and turning into something that's unhealthy. And again, I don't know why we don't talk about emotions more publicly in, in, you know, in, in, in other spaces and other conversations. It could be that we're ashamed of our emotions or that somehow we've been taught by society to just suck it up, right? Be strong. I remember, um, a a caller to Dr. Laura. Don't blame me for listening to her. It was actually my ex and I was in the car and I was a captive audience. So that's my confession to you of why I heard heard this caller calling into Dr. Laura and saying, Dr. Laura, what do I do? I just lost someone and I I know I have to be strong. And she stopped that person, that caller right then and said, wait a minute. Someone just died. Your job is not to be strong. This ain't a gym, right? And all of a sudden, that hit me. I'm like, yeah, you're absolutely right. That showing our vulnerability is what is courageous. And that's what's strong. And that's what helps us get through these processes that are so complex, right? And um, and again, um, this is the reason why Elizabeth cooler Ross decades ago wrote about the five stages of grieving. Anybody ever heard of those five stages? Yes, yeah, quite a few of you. So you'll know that the first stage is denial. It's not just a river in Egypt, but rather an emotion that many of us go through whenever we experience a sense of loss. And then there's anger, which was named today, right? And oftentimes anger and oftentimes blame is part of anger, that we need a scapegoat. It must be the doctor. We need to sue the doctor for malpractice or something, you know? And again, it must be the minister for not doing a good enough job or not planning ahead or so on and so forth, right? And another part of this grieving process is bargaining. Is there a way that we could somehow shortchange our grieving process and move on already? Because I don't even know if I wanna admit at this point that I am experiencing a sense of loss or why did this person have to go away? So there's this kind of bargaining going back and forth. And then the second D in that is depression or sadness. Right? And then finally, The last stage is acceptance. If only it were that easy to go from one stage to another. If only the grieving process was linear. If only there was a specific timeline to this whole grieving process. Such as, since we originally signed up for a two-year interim, can we just say that by the time the two years is over, that we're done with our grieving, right? No, because as again was pointed out yesterday, these emotions, it's not just a straight roller coaster, but it's a spiral and it goes back and around and every which way you wanna go is every which way your emotions will go. And so, I want to let you know today that all those emotions that one is holding when one is going through the grieving process is absolutely normal. And I also want you to know that it's particularly difficult in a congregational setting because there are many different types of grief. One of them is the sense of ambiguous loss. Because in some ways, it's much easier to lose someone you love to death because you can no longer see them you can no longer talk to them unless you hire a medium or a psychic you can no longer be in touch with them and there's a sense that yeah we know what happened and yes now they're gone but with ministers it's a different story because Skylar is still alive right and and As part of our code of ethics, as part of the UU Ministers Association's code of conduct, there's a guideline that tells us to be separated from the congregation and not keep in contact and allow room and space for the new minister to also fall in love with you. And so there's those complications around ambiguous loss of not quite knowing, not quite having a bow tied around it, not quite having a sense of closure around a previous relationship. Another complicating factor is, uh, or another type of grief is complex grief. In that, again, what has bubbled up yesterday is that this congregation has had ministers that have had difficult ministries and difficult endings in this congregation that we are just now beginning to unpack and uncover and talk about in a public way without, of course, hopefully re-traumatizing those who went through that difficult experience. So the grief, all grief, I think are complex, but some are more complex than others. And there's also this thing called compounded grief. Again, as ministers, we tend to describe ourselves as serial monogamous. We go from one congregation to the next, and yet we know that when we're with you, we're 100% with you, and we try to do our best to love you as much as we can, knowing that the next level of grief is coming, which is anticipatory grief. That's the sense of knowing that there's a timeline here And like again I said I'm pre fired and I must tell you this is one of the most difficult aspects of being an interim minister is that just within the few months that I have been here I have began to fall in love with you right and it's gonna be hard for me to leave by that time and so there's this whole idea in Buddhism that the more attached you are the greater your suffering will be and so is that a good excuse then to say well I just won't be attached I'll be a commitment phobe and you know not even get into any relationship where I could risk falling in love with anybody so that I won't get hurt at the end right because we all know how it's going to end for all of us all of us are going to die so at some point There's anticipatory grief present in all our relationships. But yet somehow, I don't think that's what the Buddha meant when he talked about attachment leading to suffering, and that in this lifetime, like Mary Oliver said, we are asked to love what is mortal and to hold it so close to us. Anyway, I'll read the poem because I know that some of you know about that great poem. But I'll save that for the end. And so I wanna encourage us, again, to take a look at, um, you know, our grieving process. And so number one, a healthy grieving process would be able to name the emotions. So any of the five emotions that Elizabeth Elizabeth Kubler-Ross mentioned, or Brene Brown in her book, Atlas of the Heart came up with 87 emotions right which obviously I won't have time to talk about today Um, not to mention the fact that I haven't quite memorized all 87 of those emotions and number two to while we are still living to love as much as we can and to be present with one another as much as we can Which leads me to number three of what to do whenever we're experiencing this grieving process. Because again, there's this really imminent grieving process that we're gonna be dealing with, with Reverend Mark's departure by the end of the month, right? So this is all very practical stuff for us to engage with at this very moment. The last one is to care for one another. And I love what Deb Roth said during um, sorry for calling you out, Deb, but um, during yesterday's startup of ministers come and go, and yes, it's okay to fall in love with your minister, and yes, we absolutely need a spiritual leader, but at the end of the day, you all are going to have to live with each other. So how do you hold space for one another's grief and care for one another and be a container to be able to name those emotions whenever grieving happens? so all three of those i think are helpful in order to have a grieving process otherwise if we just hold it in if you know grief could turn into resentment it could turn into misdirected anger it could turn into a place of stuckness where we're stuck in a level of depression and it could turn into something that resides in our bodies for a very long time Again, another book I highly recommend is The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk, which talks about the fact that trauma lives in our bodies. So we don't want that, right? We want to engage in a healthy process where we could release things. All right, I'm going to stop yapping. And as I promised, I'm going to read you a poem by St. Mary Oliver. And this is one of my favorites. It's called In Blackwater Woods. Look, the trees are turning their own bodies into pillars of light, giving off the rich fragrance of cinnamon and fulfillment. The long tapers of cattails are bursting and floating away over the blue shoulders of the ponds. And every pond, no matter what its name is, is nameless now. Every year, everything I have ever learned in my lifetime leads back to this. The fires and the black river of loss whose other side is salvation, whose meaning none of us will ever know. To live in this world, we must be able to do three things. To love what is mortal, to hold it against your bones, knowing your own life depends on it. And when the time comes to let it go, to let it go, maybe so. Hi, and welcome to
1: Getting the Message, where we dive a little bit deeper into the service themes today. Today, we talked about good, bye, Grief. (laughs) I got to include the punctuation. I know you know you you spend time thinking through that one. I did,
0: yeah. And it's easier when you're reading it when it's printed out rather than when you're saying it because then that sounds awkward. I thought it was a little bit. But it's like like good grief, but with a bye in there because you know this is a special Sunday where we're honoring Reverend Mark's ministry here at Fourth U. You
1: know, I did consider like. Making a Charlie Brown themed thumbnail maybe like putting Reverend Mark's face over you know, an animated gif. You know I thought about it. I thought about some options for a thumbnail with the, uh, with the Charlie Brown theme, but I decided to resist the urge. Uh, but one thank thing thank you for keeping it professional. I try. I try. <laughs> one thing on my mind today is how cold it is. Oh, my gosh. Yes, it was. How are you handling uh, this, this uh, well, chill? Well,
0: I think my blood is finally beginning to thicken a little bit because, as you know, I grew up in a tropical environment, and there's practically just two seasons. So, you know, me coming here towards the end of summer and the beginning of fall, I think, has gotten me acclimated. And I'm trying to keep pushing it in terms of my runs, some of you may know running is my spiritual practice and um so the the last record was 27 degrees and this morning i checked it was 20 degrees plus that wind chill this morning oh my gosh yes indeed that is
1: the thing is that everyone assumes that i'm good at handling the cold because i'm a midwesterner but a i did spend some time in vietnam where i got acclimated to the heat because the bodies do acclimate yeah but yeah um the the Midwest does not prepare you for the cold wind of the Northeast.
0: That's true. Um, a, a and breeze and in beginning to also find out the difference between humid cold and dry cold, right. and so right. um, still getting Just used like to heat, different. There's levels. all sorts of different varieties. Right, right, and it's it's a grieving process. Speaking <laughs> of grief, right, uh, <clears throat> this whole time of um, winter and. Um, You know, the leaves are gone and the trees appear to be dead, but really they're just things have died dormant. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Things have died and there is, and and I'm grieving the fact that I'm now in a different environment. So anytime there's a major transition, like I mentioned during the sermon, um, there's, there's grief involved,
1: Right. Letting go, I you know, I regularly think of those those warm Vietnam days, and I do grieve them a little bit. But I partially bring this up because this morning on my way in, I was listening to a podcast as I usually do on my Sunday morning uh, uh-huh. long commute, and I was thinking it was it was talking about wintering. Mm-hmm. And then as I was reading over uh, everything to prepare for the service, I was thinking about like what questions could I ask, and it got me thinking about how. Uh, so wintering is this concept that, uh, you know, during the winter, our bodies kind of naturally slow down, we need to take some time to rest, it's kind of what the season just kind of naturally calls for, that we are organic beings, just like the rest of the world, which is all kind of taking things a little bit easier and slower, uh, and letting some things die off and letting things change. Uh, but unlike bears,
0: we don't hibernate, right?
1: I mean, so this would be, be, be fun. <laughs> <laughs> Our, our hibernation break here at 4th View, <laughs> But, you know, so that got me thinking that mm-hmm. that grief is also kind of like this wintering process that when we engage in grief, mm-hmm. it can be easy to have this temptation to, you know, the summer activity, the, the very active self, your way through grief to just be like, okay, like I'm, I'm healing, I healed, I moved on. Grief, goodbye. Right. <laughs> but... Grief calls us to to sit and to understand what's going on with ourselves, with our emotions. I mean, do you see like a little bit of connection? I
0: do. And I feel like um, we shortchange ourselves whenever we just bypass this whole process of grieving. Excuse me. And um, there's something to be said about just taking the time and slowing down, like you mentioned. Right. I've never heard of that term wintering before, but um, in some ways, um, that's, a, that's a good season as, to use as an analogy in terms of when we're going through a sense of loss, Right? how do we sit with it for a while?
1: Right. I think about uh, a few years back, I had a close friend die, and immediately mm. after, I dove into like, I'm going to get a flip phone and do digital minimalism, mm. I'm going to cut my screen time to like hours a day i'm going to be super productive at work and it was very much like this active replacement for grief but it didn't do anything to like let me sit and feel out those emotions yeah
0: and you know i guess it's a little bit controversial in um in certain fields in terms of whether maybe the psychological the psychology world um in terms of whether it's good to distract yourself for example whenever you do lose someone and okay. Whether that routine will be helpful in terms of bringing you back into um, the new normal, so to speak, right? So I don't know. I I, that's that's an interesting point. Of is is distracting yourself by doing your usual stuff helpful, or is it detrimental to the grieving process? Right,
1: Right. and you know, uh, as thinking outside of the binary perhaps it's a both and that sometimes we need a little bit of both we need those routines to keep us going we need um like inspiration part of the reason that i did do the digital minimalism was that it was something i talked about with a friend beforehand Mm -hmm. Uh, and so i just felt like it was my time to do it because of this like in honor of her uh but you know individual grieving is one thing but you know, a lot of what we talked about today in the service was communal grieving, mm, and right. I think in our society right. we think of grief as very individual. Um, but you know, grieving is is a communal process in complicated change situations, and big moments, in trauma, and just you know, in loss. Like, the communities can grieve too. You know, how do you think those two differ?
0: Well, I think back to yesterday's startup where the Reverend Sunshine uh, Wolf mentioned that. There's this roller coaster of grief, and sometimes, uh, as, as the spiritual leaders, as the minister, and as um, the religious professional, we are more in tune with the latest and greatest news, especially if it involves ourselves, right? Um, <laughs> when we're ready to say goodbye, we kind of know the timing of that, and. So we're already starting that roller coaster process, but the rest of the congregation isn't. Right. And so we kind of had to wait until they come along or realize that we ourselves may go back, so right. to speak. But realizing that it's not a linear process, that, right. again, it has so many twists and turns. And that's true of other congregants. may not be where you're at either, right? right? So we're all at different stages of this grieving process and and again, one emotion may ring truer to you than to another congregant. So you may be in the anger stage while another congregant might just be in the denial stage of grieving. So one never knows um, uh, where one enters, but it's the ability to hold it together as a whole, Mm -hmm. instead of just realizing that it's your grief and your grief alone. Although it is to say that grief is so individual and no two grieving processes are exactly the same because... um, no, two individuals are exactly the same.
1: Perhaps another
0: both-and situation? Absolutely. <laughs> I love that kind of thinking. It's I, very process hey, theology. I had a
1: close friend in seminary who did basically uh, her entire thesis, which I think was called Both-and, and, um, and it, you know, that stuck with me because I was her partner in uh, reading through it. But when you were talking about that, it brought to mind these last few weeks of talking about the common read and talking mm-hmm. about how in that work we have to hold space for, you know, keeping covenant, breaking covenant, how do we repair covenant, how do we mm-hmm. fix these things that go wrong in our wider communal networks, not just like as individuals. Yeah. And, and that same thing process things, grief, is also we,
0: individual versus communal, right? right? And um, and yeah, there's an overlap between the two as well. So is right. it a private confession or a public confession? So is this a private grieving process or a public one? And in a congregational setting, more often than not, we um, you know, tend to hold the system as a whole and right. take a look at it from the bigger picture in terms of how we as a collective are dealing with this grieving process. So it is very much a, a collective one, and in many ways then, Becomes like I mentioned before a compounded kind of grief because it's also not just about that specific minister who has left, but also previous ministers and all the good, the bad, and the ugly that comes with that ministry, and so that's why it's all just very complex, isn't it?
1: Being in community is complicated.
0: Absolutely.
1: Well, Reverend Jennifer, thanks for taking the time to sit down with me and. uh... I look forward to Question Box Sunday next week.
0: (laughs) Indeed. Thank you, Amber, for this conversation. And thank you all for listening.